once a year and the staff puts on the dog for everybody who comes and we have a good time. And once the event was over, our staff finally started relaxing. And this is our night. We dress up. We buy the gowns. We get the suits. We have the ties. My husband even has a bow tie. He pulls it out once a year just because I can only make him pull it out once a year. And he gets all dressed up and, and we go out. And after we get done with this event, the staff is like, we pulled it off. And at this event, we have kind of this little jazz trio in the corner. And they're just playing some soft music for everything. And it's really nice. But at the end of the night, after you've done all your stuff, one of our staff members goes up and said, hey, could y'all play the electric slide? <laughs> and so they start playing the jazz version of do, 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 do. Now, I have this long formal gown on. And this long formal gown has what you can see, but what you can't see is you lift up a layer and there's like this tool. And you lift up a layer and there's a slip. And you lift up a layer and there's this thing that keeps it puffy. And you lift There's all these layers in life that everybody else can't see about you. So they can't see what's going on under here. And I don't even realize what's going on under the surface of all this until I try to do the very simple dance. Side, I got it. Side, I got it. Back, I'm about to go down. And I ain't got a catcher. You know what I'm saying? And I start to go down, but I recover. And I've got all the staff around me. I'm trying to be cool. You want to be a cool pastor, you know? So then we go forward, and I go forward, and I go to step, because you got to do, you know, you got to do your little move before you do your little hop and turn thing, you know. So I do my little move, and I step on my dress again, and I get stuck here, and I'm like, oh. So later, one of the worship leaders, because they're cool and wear skinny jeans, comes up to me and is like, hey, pastor, you were doing that, weren't you? I said, what do you mean I was doing that? I was doing that. All I heard, y'all heard the electric slide? I heard pastor on the ground. Pastor on the ground. <laughs> Ain't nobody doing nothing because they're pastors on the ground. And he said, Pastor, don't you know there was enough good people around you? We would have never let you fall. Wow. And I'm like, is it your time for your annual review? You trying to get a raise? What? <laughs> and it made me think. Life with enough of the right people around you and you never hit the ground. That's what a true crew is all about, right? Because people got crews. We got the people we cruise with, but you got the true groups here. You got your true crews. You have your circle of friends when you have the right people around you. Uh, I know y'all are word folks, so go with me to Ruth 1 for just a minute. I'm not going to read too much of it. I'm going to probably tell the story more out of verses 8 through 14. But on your way there, I just want to talk to you about Proverbs 18, verse 24. And that says, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. So let me ask you while you're turning to Ruth 1, who is it that you're spending your time with? Because did you know psychology will tell you you are the sum total of the five people that you spend the most time with. If you want to be like somebody, you get around somebody because you get around them and you start acting like them. So if, you're, if your best friend at work is a gossip, guess what's coming after you? <laughs> if the other person you talk to at work, they're fun but they're lascivious, guess what's coming after you? If you go home and you talk with your sister or your brother and they're your other best friend but they're just like a hot mess, angry all the time, guess what's coming after you? 
If your other friend's broke, disgusted, always needing money, guess what's coming after you? Now, I'm not here to tell you, you're always supposed to have a hand up going up to the next level yourself. And we're always supposed to have a hand down bringing somebody else with us. Amen? We might as well not go if we're going to go alone. But Proverbs 18.24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. Now, I know y'all are a word church, so let me ask you a question. Is it God's word and is it God's will for you to come to ruin? No. Jeremiah 29.11 says, I know the plans I have for you. They're for good, not for evil, not for ruin. To bring you to an expected end, another version says, to give you a future and a hope. And his plans aren't what you think, by the way, because Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 says, My plans are not your plans, my ways are not your ways. As as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways. So we don't even know the type of friend that God wants to get around you to take you to the next level. But I do know that if we're not in a true crew, if your crew is not true to you, you cannot hang out with turkeys and soar like an eagle. Ooh, fly like an eagle. Is that our Kelly? Are we supposed to sing that song anymore? <laughs> I don't know. Is that like Bam Bam from church? I'm not sure, not sure. So we, Or do I have the wrong song in my head? Never mind. I can't sing anyway, so we'll get away from that. Let's go into the Bible because I'm digging myself a hole. Ruth 1. Ruth 1, right? Ruth 1, we have a cast of characters. They're not characters, they're people. This isn't a story... It's a history. We just honored some incredible history, and that's what we're getting ready to do right now. We're getting ready to honor some incredible history of a woman named Ruth. Now, Ruth has three men in her life. One is Elimelech, the other is Malon, and the third one is Chilion. And when I got outside today, I wanted to tell you I was thinking about Chilion. I was thinking about Chilion, some scrambled eggs, Chilion, some macaroni and cheese, chili on a burrito (laughs) when it's chili outside i'm thinking about chili on things am i alone in this or do y'all crave chili on things when it's cold outside so i'm like lord you know how to make me remember my bible (laughs) so ruth is married to elimelech and elimelech goes to heaven well she thinks this is a terrible thing she's grieving and soon later her son mylon passes and mylon goes to heaven Not long later, Chilion passes and Chilion goes to heaven. She's got these three men in her life. These three men pass. Both of her boys are married, so she's stuck with these two young brides. Now, this wasn't like today's social times. They made their living from farming and working the earth, and the girls did not have physically what it took to sustain their own life, especially because it was a time of famine. So here she is now physically responsible for these two girls because... In our life, in in our time, in our culture, when you get divorced or when a a spouse passes, you just move right along. Not then. Now you are in the husband's family. So she is now responsible. These girls can't go home. This is their home. If they would leave Ruth, they would be a social outcast. So Ruth is sitting there looking at everything. I keep saying Ruth. Naomi keeps looking at everything that's happening. And while Naomi, Mama is Naomi. I keep calling her Ruth, but you know how I rename people. So as Naomi is looking around and surveying the situation, she looks at Ruth. Come on up here, MJ and Claire. Come on up here just for a second. I know you weren't planning on this. Just run real fast. Y'all have tennis shoes on because that's like the dress shoe of the day. And so here she is. She's looking at these two babies and she's going, Oh, baby, you're my Ruth. You're never going to leave me. You're my Orpah. You're a jerk. (laughs) Okay. 
So she's like, girls, look, I can't take care of you and I want to. And I know I'm supposed to and I know you're supposed to stay with me and I know that you're the best girls in the entire world and you would never leave me like this. But I am asking you, please go home to your families. Do you have your phone in your pocket? No. Would you pretend you have your phone and would you just like be dissing me and tell, oh, you got your phone. Okay, you're or but you're the jerk. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I want you to just be, I want you to be ignoring me. I want you to be texting somebody else. You'd be fine on your way out. You ever been at a party and you were like texting people saying, call me and get me out of this. Don't raise your hand in church, but it's true. So she's like, baby, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to leave you, Naomi. We were best friends. I'm not always with you. I'm, I'm leaving Cleve. Matter of fact, the first time I ever preached a message about this, I called it lovers and leavers. Because people will, they will love you or they will leave you. Yeah. This girl, hey, hey, Orpa, she, she, would, she looked in the eyes and she said, I'm with you. She, but then she's like, she's not. She's disengaged. She's turned around. She's on Facebook. She's sliding up in somebody's DMs right now, finding out if she can get an Uber ride out of here and hook up with them later. I know. Is it okay if we make this antisocial? You ain't social thing real? Lovers and leavers. Thank you very much, girls. So as they're walking through that and as she's being dissed by them, what goes on? is Ruth says she will stay with Naomi, but Orpah is going to go. You see, if you have the right people around you, they'll never let you hit the ground. So let's go back. Actually, you guys both grab your phones. I need about four. I want you guys back up here, and I need about four young people who have phones. You, need, you know how to use a phone, and you're young, you're cool. Raise your hand for me one second, because we need to do this fast. You come on up, you come on up, you come on up. Come on, I need to, You come on up, come on, I need... Come on, come on. Everybody's scared. I need one more young, cool person. Yeah, you come on up. Come on up here real quick. Don't worry, I'm going to involve the whole church in this. Come on over, come on over, come on over. Let's go back to that Dream Team event that we had. And at the Dream Team event, we were doing the electric slide. Right? So we're all going to do the electric slide. So everybody stand up with me for a minute. All right, this is your practice round. All you do is you take four steps to the right, four steps to the left, four steps back, rock forward, rock back, rock forward, and you're done. Can you do it? Can you do it? All right. It's time to run now. One, two, three, four to the right, two, three, four to the left, two, three, four, go back, two, three, Four, rock forward, rock back, rock forward. Your church ain't saved, pastors. Your church ain't saved. <laughs> okay, now I need a moment with my true crew. Or is it okay if I get a moment with my circle of friends here? You guys can be seated. Guys, you So now we have a dance number. Since y'all danced earlier, I wanted to show you how we could dance. So stay close. Come on, come on. Let's do this. We're at, we're at our cousin's wedding. We're at our cousin. We're at our event, right? And we're going to do the electric slide. We're ready. Ready? One, two, three, four. Go right. Two, three, four. Go left. Two, three, four. Go back. 
Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Come on. Sometimes you need the people to keep you from falling. But sometimes you need people to help you fall at the feet of Jesus. You see, you, get a, you have an example of Ruth who stayed through anything. Ruth who ended up with Boaz. Ruth who ended up in the lineage of Jesus. Ruth who ended up blessed with the property owner. Ruth got all of that because of her relationship. Ruth and relationship equaled blessing. You see, your blessing from God won't just come through you. He will bring it through someone. That someone is a relationship. We were created for relationship. Orpa, she didn't get any of the blessing. She's exited from the Bible. We hear no more about her. Everybody needs four crazy friends. Say four crazy friends. Let me ask a question. How many people are in your true group? How many people are in your circle of friends? Well, I see an example here of five, having at least five people. You see, you had the one man. The one man is a paralytic man. It starts in verse 17. Paralytic. He's paralyzed. He can't move. He can't go to the bathroom by himself. He can't brush his own teeth. And you might be thinking here today, well, well, thank goodness that's not me because I'm not paralyzed or not. That's about as awesome. Well, are you paralyzed in your finances? Are you paralyzed in your relationship? Are you paralyzed by fear? Are you paralyzed at night when you're supposed to be sleeping? You're up thinking with anxious thoughts? Are you paralyzed in your career? Are you paralyzed in your love life? Are you paralyzed with loneliness? Are you paralyzed with a lack of self-confidence? Just because this guy was paralyzed in our body, we have to remember this is a story that we're supposed to apply to our life. So I know each and every one of us are paralyzed in some kind of position, but it's up to us. You can never have a pastor take you deeper. You can never have a church take you deeper. You just have a pastor who can lead you to the water and show it to you, but he can't make you drink the water of the word. That's what your group is for. 
you get into that group and you start talking about it. This is your listening mode. And then that is your talking mode. Your talking mode is when it starts to internalize. The best way to get a message is you start talking it. If you live in a pastor's house, you're going to hear that message 10 times that week. Because they just talk it, talk it, talk it, because that's how it gets internalized. If you just hear the word and you don't talk the word, the word is skimming off the top of your head. You're never getting it down deep inside you. Our church is called to sinners as we start to get in this story of the paralyzed man. Have you identified that paralyzed area of your life? Because I want you to have that in mind as we read this. Because I believe at the end of this service you can be delivered of it. And is you have to follow through and do what God is asking you to do. And that's connect with people. But we have this guy who, four years. I was working on this dude for four years. Um, He owns some strip clubs. He owns about a third of the casinos in the U.S., lots of them in Atlantic City, lots of them on the Indian properties. Um, they say that you're no one until he sues you. Yeah. I hope you have at least one friend like that in your life because friends don't let friends go to hell. And if we give up on them, who's going to minister Jesus to them? So we have to have our, our true crew around us, but then we got to have our hand down working on getting somebody else into that crew because he was in my small group, if you will. He was in my circle of friends before I ever got him to the church. He had to get comfortable here before he could get comfortable there. The only way he would come to church is I would text him and text him and text him every Sunday. Hey, are you coming to church this morning? If so, I'll save you a seat. No, I got tennis. No, I'm on the, on the yacht. You know, he owns Bertie Madoff's boat. Dude, yeah, right? He's, he, he was a bad man, but then again, you know, so was Saul. Don't judge me because I'm a friend of sinners. So is Jesus. <laughs> so I keep inviting him to church. I get him in my small group. We start inviting him to church. He shows up at church, but only when I text him. Him and his girlfriend come. Only when I text. Then there's this week, the week between Christmas and New Year's, my husband and I took off. We were at a church in Las Vegas and he, we come back and it's New Year's Eve and he's with our, our circle of friends around this table. And while he's around this table, he leans over his girlfriend to me and he said, I have a question for you about last Sunday. I'm like, last Sunday? He's like, yeah, when your son was preaching. Wait a minute, I didn't even text you to go to church and you went to church without me texting you? And he's like, yeah. He's like, he lights up with the word. He doesn't have to read it word for word. You guys quote all these scriptures. He's like, so I went home and I'm trying to learn the Bible. And I can only get like five words in me. Okay, I just want to let you know that this guy got indicted on more charges and went to jail two Fridays after that. But he did that first. He's paying for it later. In the meantime, he's trying to figure out how to learn the Bible. He said, how do I get this in me? How do I eat this? How does it come out of me the way it comes out of you and your whole family? I thought it was just you. And then I thought it was you and your husband. But then I see your kids. It's all of you people. (laughs) You need four crazy friends. You need your true crew. You need your circle of friends. So, so there's this guy. He's the paralyzed man. And he happens to be paralyzed physically. And in his physical matter, his friends go, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Okay, we got to get him to Jesus. So they take the boy to church, kind of the way I was taking that guy to church, right? I was taken by text. They literally pick him up and bring him to church. But when they get to church, the church is kind of like word of truth here. It is full. There's nowhere to sit. There's no way to get in. It's actually crammed out into the lobby. It's actually crammed out into the parking lot. 
They can't even get in the building. Now, you would think if somebody was in dire straits and paralyzed, somebody would give up a seat. Somebody would give up some space. Mm, no. Mm-mm. You see, I got here early because, well, I'm saved. And I park my car in the spot that I always park my car in. Then I walk in and I take my seat. And, you know, I know you really want me on the greeting team, but it would cause me to be late for worship and I really need to get my worship on. And I need to make sure I have my seat because when someone sits in my seat, I get incredibly aggravated. Why are you speaking in a British accent? Because I don't think anyone here is British and that way you don't think I'm talking about you while I am. And you know, I know they need help serving the children, but I raised my children. Someone else can raise theirs. And I I know you could probably use help in the parking lot, but my fingers get chilly and it ruins my manicure. Oh, and I heard that there's a sick man here, but someone will handle him. It's not my job. All of these Pharisees, all of these churched people are sitting there in this service, yet nobody gets up, nobody makes room, nobody makes the way, nobody helps connect Jesus, nobody goes and tells Jesus. You just have these four crazy friends that look at this building full of religious people. And his true crew says, man, we're not going to let you down. They won't move for you, but we will. So they look around. They're obviously from Fort Worth because one of them goes, Hey, Ed, I think we can get up there on the ceiling. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't bring my tools, but we're going to figure this out. They literally climb up on the roof. The roof, the roof, the roof is on. Y'all! They climb up on the roof and they look at the roof. And if you heard footsteps right now, you'd be looking up. You know the people in the building knew something was up, and still they didn't move. I'd like you to write this question down. What's it going to take for God to get you to move? To actually turn your faith words into faith action, turn a message into something that you do, to stop talking about that life you're supposed to live and start living it? What's it going to take? So here they are, they're up on the roof, and they look, and they have no tools. Hmm. All right. Boys, we're going to get bloody. And they start ripping into the roof with their fingernails and their hands. They're not worried about their manicure. Their hands actually get bloody from taking the roof off. But you know what? It's okay to get a little bit bloody for somebody else because Jesus bled for you. And as they rip the roof off, then they lower him down. Because as I said earlier, sometimes you need friends to keep you from falling. And other times you need people to help you fall at the feet of Jesus. And when we get here, we need friends to keep our heads right. We need friends to keep our minds white. We need the right they around us. You're going to go through life limping like a paralyzed man. When God calls you to go through life leaping because you've been healed. So the biggest thing that I hear, and I actually wrote a section about it in my book. This, I just, I'm releasing my second book right now, and I had this generous person. It makes me cry every time, so. They bought 20,000 of the books so we could give them away for free. 
I know, right? Blew my mind. Okay, I'm going to need a tissue. And it gets deeper. But okay, so if you want a book, I don't have it. They're on the printing press. You can go to my website, NicoleCrank.com, and they'll send you one. I brought a couple of the old books. It's in the bookstore. But So this is why you need the right people in your crew. It was two weeks ago Thursday. So what's that, 15 days ago, 16 days ago? I don't know. I lose count. I'm a pastor, not a mathematician. And so I got my small group around me. And I said, the Lord has told me that I'm supposed to go into the prisons. You see, our church, we've been celebrating the four banner years. There are four banner years culminating in 2020, which God told us was the year of Jubilee for our church. Jubilee defined is all debts are canceled, all property returns to its original owner, and the prison doors, all the captives are set free. People held captive by lack of finances. People held captive in a cell of depression. People held captive by where they were born. People held captive about what their parents said they were. People held captive because of the molestation that happened. People held captive because lack of opportunity. All of those prison doors were opening. And God said to me, and, and literally the captives, captives are going to be set free. Go into the prison. So I got my group around me and I just shared what God had told me. And I said, hey guys, can you ask me to pray about that? Because I don't even know what that means. I just know our church has a prison ministry. We have a hard time getting into prisons. You can't bring books. And we've tried to do things with books in the prisons because God put it on my heart. This new book, this guy bought $20,000 for people, but you need to, to, to get them to prisoners. So 48 hours later, it's Sunday morning before church, I'm reading my email, and one of the ladies in that meeting ended up talking to another lady who had ended up arranging a prison revival for three days in May with four sessions, had a great relationship with a jail, with a prison. It's the Women's Correctional Facility in Vandalia. It's 1,300 women. What I did not know, she had set this up. What this other girl did not know, she had set it all up but had nobody to preach the revival. The, the, the prison found out it was me. They said, yeah, if it's her, she can come and she can bring all her books because you can't get books into a lot of prisons and she can give them to all the prisoners and you can bring your worship team and you can bring the instruments, huge security thing, and you can bring your instruments and we're going to stream the whole thing to the entire prison. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get a praying crew around you. 48 hours later, two more prisons, Gun Club Road and Blowgates Prison in Florida, they opened up to us on Tuesday. I'm going to be in two prisons on Good Friday in Florida. A few days later, Chillicothe Prison in Missouri opened up, and now I'm going to Chillicothe Prison in late summer. I'm telling you right now, God's opening things up when you get the right people around you. So the biggest problem I hear is, I want the right people around me, but I don't have any friends. So the books that I write, they're not like chapters. They're more like sections. You could call them a devotional, but really they are. Is the first book is, Hi God, it's me again. What to pray when you don't know what to say. And the second book is, Hi God, one more thing. How to talk to God about the tough stuff. One section's called, I'm mad. Another one's called, I'm embarrassed. I don't know what to do. This particular section is called, In Need of companionship. It starts in the pain and it ends in the promise between 60 and 90 seconds. It's created to read out loud when you read it. So it starts the conversations with God that you might hedge from because that's where the enemy's going to work. 
if he can keep you from talking to your God. This is how God, I'm lonely. I feel like I've been singled out. Like I, I don't like being on the outside looking in, but I'm not sure that I fit anywhere. I would love to have some close friends who I could just talk to, friends who wouldn't judge me. That's a true crew. I guess everyone wants to be needed and needs to be wanted. That's your plan for my life, God. You created me for relationship. From the beginning of time, your intent was for me to touch other people, to love them and speak encouragement into their lives in ways no one else will be able to. You've destined people who not only want me in their lives, but also need me in their lives. If I sow this into other people's lives, I will reap strong relationships in my own. When I see somebody who needs a friend, I'll try to love them like Jesus will. I will sow seeds of attention, favor, friendship, and encouragement into their lives, believing that you'll sow back into mine in abundance. I will be the kind of friend to others that I want others to be to me. There's someone out there right now looking for a friend like me. I know you're leading me to that relationship, and I will foster strong relationships that will take me toward my destiny and not away from it. I'm not going to read the last 15 seconds of that because I want to illustrate something. A lot of times God will ask us to sow a friendship so that we can reap a friendship. But the person he wants you to invite into your true crew, you don't want to because they don't look like you. They don't act like you. They don't live like you. They don't talk like you. They probably annoy you just a little bit. When I was in elementary school, they were trying to teach us rhythm. And to teach us rhythm, they did this thing. It was called syncopation. I want you guys to help me. Um, If you guys could help me just keep a nice, strong, slow... I'll be honest with you, we have six campuses. One of them's white. They could not pull this off. That's easy, right? Now, if you're walking and you're just walking with one leg, you're not going to get very far. It's going to be hard. You honestly need two legs to get around well. Right? That doesn't work good. I need a second leg. You guys just keep the one beat. Let me do the tough stuff. But now, I can get around. I can get fancy. I can get moving. God doesn't want you living that slow life. But he's got fancy stuff, plans for you. I know the plans I have for you. They're for good and not for evil to bring you to an expected end. He's Ephesians 3.20. He's the kind of God who can do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, think, or imagine. He's the kind of God who can do syncopation. What did my elementary school teach me? They taught me this. Syncopata. 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 Go, ta, ta, ta. Same beat as before, just fancier. 
guys are really good. Your church has rhythm. God has syncopated relationships with you. Not people who will compete with you because they have the same talent. People who will complete you because they are very different from you. We need to open our hearts. We need to open our minds. We need to spend the time getting comfortable with people. So as we walk through that syncopation, we want people to be like us, but we need people to compliment us. Because if they're too much like us, we're going to end up competing for the same space. And we have to realize that God has enough space for everybody. So I, I'm kind of a psychology nerd and I love the word because everything, all of science was done in the word first. And all true science is word based. It just takes us thousands of years to catch up with what he did a long time ago. And so that I, I, wrote, I write a section, I have a workbook and journal, and this is the work I want you to do. I've led you to the water, and this is your chance for you to drink. And it, it has you do the work. So I want you to do a little work this morning, because the plan will be, I'll tell you to do the work. And I have a minute and 18 seconds, so y'all have to gonna think fast. You're like, I'll do this when I'm at home. But the thing is, you're going to forget the enemy is going to distract you, and you're going to miss getting in deeper and putting the hook in. So this is what it says. It says, hi, God. I've heard it said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Whoever walks with wise friends becomes wise. I will not choose relationships with people who are not good for me just because I'm lonely or it's convenient. I'm just going to sidestep and say that marriage starts with a first date. If he's fine, that's great. He needs a job. <laughs> okay, okay, all the men are offended. Men, let's talk to you for a second. Sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take 30 extra seconds for the end of this because I just need to make it fair and say, um, excuse me, gentlemen, I just want to let you know, I know her curves are banging, but curvy girl be crazy. All right? Make sure she can do a whole year off her medicine. All right, so it's for everybody, right? It's for everybody. So I'm going to read that last line again. I will not choose relationships with people who are not good for me just because I'm lonely. Or it's convenient. I will get in church. I will get in the word. I will get in a true group. I will have a true crew. I will have a circle of friends. They will love me, pray for me, lead me, guide me, and tell me when he needs a job and she's crazy. Now, here's the work for you. You're going to write down five things. How do you know what to believe for if you're not believing for it? It says, these are the types of people that I should hang around with. And while you're writing those five things, what are five characteristics that you need around you? Because you are some total of the five people that you hang around the most. Five is God's number of grace. And if we want grace in relationships, that's why we choose five. And it says, I will choose godly friends. I will have relationships that foster success and help me stay on track. According to the purpose that you have for me, I won't develop bonds with people who just happen to be nearby that drag me down or are out of my purpose. I will wait for the right people. I will go sign up for my true crew. I will realize that people might be different than me, but it's because they're called to compliment me. I will not be upset when an orpa kisses me and leaves me because just because somebody kisses you don't mean they love you. I will honor the Ruth in my relationship and I will be as true to Ruth as Ruth is to me. 
And God, I will sow into people that don't look like me, don't act like me. I will sow friendship because I need friendship. It says, I will wait for the right people you are sending into my life. Okay, the first one was easy. Here's the hard one. I should invest more time and energy and develop a better relationship with who? Who are the five people that you need to sow a friendship into? You need to invite to your true crew. You need to start a true crew. It's great if you're in in a true group, but if you're not leading one, why? And there's power in prayer, so I would like to pray with you. I pray every Thursday morning on Facebook in a group called Wake, Pray, Slay, so I get a little carried away. But I want to ask you one question. I want to pray for you as Pastor Sarah comes, and let me ask you this. Are you paralyzed in an area of your life and need a friend to stand by you in that space? Would you raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for right now? Father God, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for each and every person who are humble enough and honest enough to say, God, I need somebody to open up some doors, to mentor me, to coach me, to lead me, to guide me, to direct me in the way that I should go. God, you've planted them in an amazing church with a mentoring culture. And so, God, I just ask you in the name of Jesus, according to Ephesians 1, take the scales of our eyes and show us the things that we have not seen. God, show us in the Spirit. We've been looking with our natural eyes and we've tended to naturalize the situation, but we will look with our spiritual eyes so that you can work through the spirit and spiritualize the situation and take us to places higher than we could ever ask, dream, or imagine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.